St. Paul says in the second reading, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Just as our bodies grow, and we are not the same as we were 10 years ago, maybe some of us wish we were, let alone 50 years ago or when we were five, so also must our relationship with God grow. Not only relationship, but so also must our understanding of who God is grow. For if not, then we will continue to speak to the Lord as if we were five years old. Now, yes, we must become like little children, but we must grow in relationship. You do not speak to your children the same way that you speak to another adult, right? I mean, you don't speak to your grandmother in the same way that you speak to your husband or your wife. There's probably a lot more yelling with your grandmother. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. But no, our relationships grow, they change, they evolve. And so must our understanding of who God is. So St. Paul says that we need a renewal of a mind. And I learned this about 10 years ago. I was studying, I was in seminary, college seminary, and I was studying abroad. And we took a bus trip, we were in Ireland, and we, went, we were coming from the shrine of Our Lady of Knock, and we were going back down to Dublin. But we had to make a pit stop, and at that pit stop, we had to change buses. So the trip was about five, five hours long. And we're on the first leg of the trip, we're in a bus that's pretty empty, and I feel this prompting of the Spirit to go and sit with the person that's like two seats behind me. And I'm sitting next to three of my seminarian brothers. Now let me explain something about seminarians at this time. It may have changed from 10 years ago. Um, we had something called fraternal correction, which is a kind way of saying, when I don't like something you're doing, I tell you about it, but in a really, really kind way. Like, hey brother, um, I just saw that you were, you know, picking your nose, and uh, you know, I don't think the Lord would be very pleased with that. And you're like, what? Like, stop it. Stop being weird, right? So, so that, I'm, that was an exaggeration, okay? But this sort of mentality that if you, if you were to do something that it seems to be awkward, then there would be some um, tension within the group. We'll just put it that way. So I'm on this bus, and I feel the, the Lord kind of prompt me to go sit by this person. The difficulty was that that person was a female and very pretty, all right? And you say, why is that a difficulty? Because I'm with my seminarian brothers, all right? I just explained how our thought process was. And so I was like, nope, not going to do that one, Jesus. Funny guy. And yet this, I like was like, I'll take a nap instead. But I couldn't sleep. This prompting kept growing. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just a prompting. It was just like, I should go do that. But I was too scared of what they might say about me. I was too scared about the perception that my brothers would speak or the correction that I might get. And so I was like, I'm not going to do it. And I held out. I resisted with all my heart. Really proud of myself. And we get to the pit stop, and we're waiting for the next bus. And I'm the last person to get on the bus. And I make a deal with the Lord. Have you ever made a deal with the Lord? I used to make deals with the Lord. I always lost. Uh, it was this. 
if I get on this bus and if she is there and if there's an open seat, then I will sit next to her. So I get on the bus, last person to get on the bus, and there are two seats open. Yep, one next to her and one next to the guy in front of her. And I walk up and I'm like, not sitting next to her. I sat down next to the guy in front of her. And for the next three hours, this man, after he found out what I was, seminarian, human being, uh, he bashed the Catholic Church for three hours. And it did a real detriment to my faith. And what I was learning, because why did I hesitate? I hesitated because of the perception of what my brothers might say and of my perception of God. My perception of God was that he was leading me to a place so that I would be corrected, that God was manipulating me or that God was tricking me, that God was not going to protect me. But I look back and, and over that time, I sort of realized pretty quickly, I was like, ah, you wanted me to sit next to that person because I, didn't ha I could avoid this situation. And then I started justifying it. Well, I don't even know. Like, maybe we wouldn't even have a, had a great conversation. Maybe she's not Catholic. Maybe she's not Christian. And then she, like, walks off the bus and has this giant crucifix off her neck. And I was like, all right, Jesus, you win, right? <laughs> you get this one. But I was so worried about what they would perceive me, how they would perceive me. And I was so worried that God wasn't there to protect me. That the Lord had to renew my mind. He had to change my mind. We need a change of mind. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're like, oh, that's not me, Father. But I want to propose that each and every one of us, we don't, we don't view God in the way that he truly is. In fact, St. John says that now we see as in a mirror, but one day we shall see him face to face. We see God through, through a mist, through a vagueness of what we, the concepts that we have of him, but we don't get to see him as he truly is. If we did, we would crawl up to communion, amen? Oh, come on, amen? amen. If we knew him, who he truly is, we, wouldn't, we would know we're not worthy to receive him. We would know that even receiving on our hand, on our tongue, it's not worthy enough for him because he is love, he is pure love. And we come up with concepts in our mind about who God is that I can't, I have to, wor I have to worship him and only if I worship him, then he will love me. I'm not worship him, worshiping him well enough that I'm not doing enough for him. That's not what he says. His love is unconditional. But we grew up with mindsets of who he is that prohibits us from understanding him, from relating to him. So when Peter comes and says, Lord, God forbid, which is a very funny line in scripture, God forbid, Lord, right? It's like, God forbid you, God. Like, none of us would say that. But he says, God forbid, Lord, that you would say such things, that would, such things would happen to you. Because if they do, what does it say about Peter? What, did, what happened just three verses before this? He was proclaimed the rock. But what's about a rock? It can be a foundation and it can be a stumbling block. And in this moment, it became a stumbling block because his understanding of God was that God should not suffer. That this is not who Jesus is. This is not the Messiah. But what Jesus was explaining to him is that he's not the Messiah that the humanity thought that up until they, they came to understand him, they would continue to, to see God through this veil. What happened when Christ died upon the cross? What happened in the temple? They may know. What was torn? The veil was torn. 
The place that they thought God was, that they put God in a box and they said, this is where he is. There's no other place in the world but here, but the veil was torn, which was symbolic that God became, he entered into the rest of humanity, that he did not come for a select, but he came for all. But if our humanity, if our understanding, our limited vision, our limited understanding continues and we do not allow our understanding of God to grow, then we will continue to think God is manipulative, that I have to earn his love, that I can somehow lose his grace, that I can lose being in contact. Oh, I didn't pray this week or I should, I should, have, I should pray more. How many times do we hear that in confession? I should pray more. Maybe, but maybe God just wants you to pray while you're working at this time and then grow. I don't know what the Lord is, is speaking to you, but I do know that we need a renewal of our minds because if not, then what I will think of that burden, the sacrifices, I'm going to think that they're a lot heavier than they have to be. What do I mean by that? Jesus says, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself and follow me, pick up his cross. Well, if I'm not in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, then that's a heavy burden. And that makes me think that I have to do it myself. But if I understand God to be the one who cares for me, who protects me, who loves me, if I understand that he's not trying to manipulate me so I get fraternally corrected, but rather he's trying to protect me from a conversation, and somebody afterwards, last mass said, well, maybe that you did something good for that person. It may be. That may be the case. And God, the other brilliant thing about him and that I love, is that he takes all things and makes them good. Amen? Amen. He takes all things and makes them good. He's so masterful at it. He's brilliant. So I have no doubt that that conversation with that man somehow impacted him in one way or the other, or my not going to that person, that young lady, was, was in one way or another impactful. But, but what I do know is that the Lord was teaching me to respond to his voice, that he's not trying to manipulate me, that he's not trying to come after me, that he's not trying to trick me, which is something that I still believe because of different mentalities that I grew up with but that he is a father who cares for. He loves, he yearns for me. And that if I follow those promptings, he only will lead me to pastures that are green and waters that are living. He has nothing but good for you. He has nothing but good to give to you. And if there's any hesitancy within us, we need to bring that to him. I don't say deny it. I'm saying you show up with it and say, God, here's my hesitancy. Here's my fear. Here's the mentality that I think that you, you will lie to me, that you give me something, but you're not going to let me hold on to it, that you take things from me. Right? This is the fear that some of us live with because when we were children, that is how we grew up, and our first understanding of God is how our parents treated us. It's the first understanding of God so that when we're taught about God, all of a sudden, what do we have to, to relate it to? Because I'm a human person, so I relate things to other things that I know. So when I'm taught about God at whatever age, the only thing, unless God reveals himself to me first, which is what Jesus does, but transmitted through human lips, the first thing I understand about God is how I've been treated by others. 
So we wonder why in the world there are so many people that say, how can God exist? How can God exist? He lets all of this stuff happen. My guess is that those people have come from a relationship in families that has been broken and hurt and wounded, where people abandoned them, where they saw abuse, where they saw hurt, and nobody came to save them. So they grow up with the mentality that in the end they say, how could God care? But it's not about the world, it's about them when they were five years old and they saw their mom being abused by the very person who was supposed to protect them. It's not about the world, it's about them. Everything that we see, it's the perspective that we live with, but if I get a renewal of mind, I start to see from the perspective of heaven and not as man. So that when I come up to receive him, and when I come up to receive him, I know that I receive my Savior and that he is the most gentle, kind, compassionate, loving, forgiving, and anything else you want to add to that list. That he does not reject me, but that he fills me with his love because he doesn't know how to be any different. He simply knows how to love you. And we all receive that differently. But I beg you to ask the Lord from the depth of your pain, God, give me a transformation of mind, a renewal of mind that I may begin to see this world as you see it, that I would begin to love as you love, that I would begin to live as you, Jesus, came to live. So let's ask him for that. Lord, I ask forgiveness for the times in my life that I have viewed this world from an earthly perspective and that I have viewed relationship with you as I have with those who have hurt me. And I give you permission, Jesus, to renew my mind that I may see you as you truly are, both in this life and in the life to come and that I would not be afraid to pick up my cross because I know that you carry it with me and your burden is light, your yoke is easy. I give you unconditional permission to my life, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.